all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is Southern Remedy for Women at MPB Think Radio, the show where... Female doctors, come on in and cut up. And you heard us. We were cutting you, up on the break. Look, you heard that laugh, so you know what you know what show it is today. We are so excited to have our friend and guest, Dr. Myrna Alexander Nickens. Our, our resident I'm sure Dr. Owens knows her name, uh, the right name for her oh, fully. Man. See, and uh, it my is apologies, Mr. Nickens. It is Women's Heart Health Month. I was just reading. I was doing a little internet stalking of okay. you, Dr. Nickens, and I read that you were the first female interventional cardiologist in this state of Mississippi. Well, yeah, but that uh, you must that's been a big stalk- deal. You were stalking Facebook because I saw that post too. It was <laughs> that about, was a big deal. Look, and we're on the heels of so it was National Women's Physician right. Day yeah, on yesterday, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Okay. and there was that super post that was like all about these trailblazing people. I didn't um, see that. Yeah, well, I, I didn't. Look. Well, you're oh, one of them. She look, was working. I was working. <laughs> I, my, I was writing some notes and seeing patients. Uh, well, my thumbs are doing the walking because I'm going to show you this because the other thing about that post. No, was that, that. Incre- look the no. hair the hairstyle on said Dr. Nickens and she's like oh was this- it a retro picture oh it was huh? very retro Let's move on. you don't have any questions <laughs> you have any questions about women and heart disease we gotta move on to that or you can you can you if, if you guys are on Facebook you can look up that post from yeah. Women Physician Day yesterday from and UMC. see Dr. Nickens in a throwback. Where, um, but no, we're so glad that that you are with us today. Yes. And look, we've been so thrilled at at UMMC to have your expertise, your your enthusiasm, and and your intellect, um, and and the way that you care for. Um, uh, for all your patients with heart disease, but but especially the care that you give to um, the women um, who have heart disease and heart issues is just—it's been so great for our institution. It's been wonderful for the patient population that we serve, and we are just giggling like little kids over here that you're well, I, with us today. Well, look, Michelle knows she uh, pulled me into this, and I love being pulled into it. Really, yeah. Um, when I first got here, and so I am loving it. And I am saw a different um, lane to go in, mm-hmm. and that's pregnancy and heart disease. And so lately, we have been uh, doing a lot of work in that because heart disease affect our pregnant women as well. So today, we're going to be talking about heart disease in pregnancy, heart disease in women in general. So you guys, just if you have any questions at all, these ladies know. Oh, I Please. thought you were going to give out the number. I was like, you are no. really, you've done the show a lot and you are a pro. The I number, don't know the number. It's one 672 7464 mpb ring Does anybody use phones that have the little letters on them anymore so well, that they can still actually catchy use to have it spell something? I love it. I love when it, when it spells something. Yeah. But anyway, no, if not, one eight seven seven mpb ring Yeah. I 
I still like the one thing when I I was I was um, reading about women's heart health and talking you know reading about you and things like that was uh, there was an interview with a patient a UMC patient a woman who talked about having atrial fibrillation so maybe we can talk a bit about that as well right. okay and how. Uh, sometimes it can get passed off in women as they're right. just tired or dizzy. You know, these are sort of, uh, quote, quote his, you know, hysterical type uh, um, symptoms, et cetera. And if it happens to a man, maybe it's picked up more. Or more anxiety. Often. Oh, are you sure you're not just having a panic attack? <clears throat> you're just, you know, maybe you're just anxious. Yeah, that really struck we get me. That quite a bit. Yeah, that really struck me. And so me. I have to remind our house officers that that should be the last thing you say is going on is anxiety. Uh, make sure that there are no physical signs of anything else going on. So atrial fibrillation is a real good example of that because this is atrial fibrillation is basically when the top part of the heart, the atria, start fibrillating. So they're not contracting like normal. And we have a good uh, system. The heart has a great system that blocks all of those fibrillatory waves to get to the bottom part of the heart so it doesn't go that fast. So normally that atria may be going at three to 400 times a minute, but there's a little system that blocks that and we really ends up to be about 150 to 160 times a minute, which is still pretty fast and still yeah. will make your chest... It won't feel good. Right. won't <laughs> feel good. Make you anxious feeling. Mm-hmm. May make you sweat a little bit might make you feel like you're going to faint a little bit, mm-hmm. but definitely your heart's racing. Because it's a, a feedback loop, right? It's like, right. I feel anxious and so my heart starts racing, or my heart starts racing and makes me feel more anxious, etc. Middle of the night, weird stuff sometimes you have. But with atrial fibrillation, there is, an, or there is a cause for that, a physiologic cause. Right. Awesome. So guys, our phone lines are open, and we are going to go to them right now. We have a caller on the line. We're going to hear from Annie, who's calling us from Boonville. Good morning, Annie. Good morning. How are uh, you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I got AFib and I got a, a pacemaker, and uh, I got to get off of Eloquist for a week. Uh, I got this other problem going on, and I'd like to have a little second opinion on this other problem that I got. Uh, I'm uh, bleeding lots in my bra from my nipple, oh. and uh, and uh, I've had a mammogram that. Uh, and the ultrasound, and the breast check, and uh, the doctor uh, couldn't find anything, but he said that, uh, you know, it could be the eloquence, uh, the blood thinner. Yes, ma'am. So, and uh, 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 I'm just wondering, do I need a second opinion on this? Uh, it's still, I had this done uh, the 7th of January, and uh, it... Uh, uh, it's still doing, it's just a uh, small spot, but uh, several times a week, but it's not doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's still doing it. And uh, I've called the heart doctor about the eloquence, so they want me to stay off that for a week to see if it's the eloquence. And uh, uh, so, and then, you know, start back in a week. But I'm just wondering about this other, do I need a... Uh, another opinion on this uh, are there anything else they can do uh, any other tests they can do if this, if this bleeding stop. 
Well, you know what? Dr. Owens is chopping at the bits to answer this question. We're going like, to answer it together because... Uh, she just hit her head on the mic. I'm not even joking. She, I did not. I was t- that's my hand. She, this She's is so excited. Her, this, She's so this excited. Is, this is in her her category yeah, of all problems. Us, yeah, all of us I mean, women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, you're doing the right thing by, about calling in, uh, and we can give you some insight into what we think is going on, but you make sure you follow that up with your physician, too. But now we use Eloquiz all the time. Eloquiz doesn't really cause the problem. It just may uncover the problem. So if you had an ulcer in your stomach and you were doing okay and then you had atrial fibrillation and someone put you on Eloquiz, then it may uncover the fact that you have an ulcer. It doesn't cause it, but it has uncovered it. So that little problem in your breast nipple is just uncovered by the eloquence and I'm going to let Dr. Owens talk to you about what you should do with that. Yeah, so it, so first of all, I'm I'm glad that you you said a couple of things. You've had um, a mammogram and you've had an ultrasound and so imaging is definitely um, going to be central to that. Um, of course, anytime that you have bloody nipple discharge, um, that's something that, that definitely needs to be evaluated. And even if your imaging studies haven't haven't um, really demonstrated anything that was visible, um, there's also, um, you know, you still need a really good clinical exam. A lot of times when you have started having complications, you will either be seen primarily by either an OBGYN or referred to a breast surgeon. And um, so if if you have not yet had a referral to a breast surgeon, um, then I think that might be a great place for a second opinion and for somebody to kind of take into consideration any other, like if you've had any other um, masses or anything in the past or if you have anything that could be palpable or that they can discover on a physical exam, because I didn't hear whether or not... Um, Sometimes if people call in and they say, well, I have this problem, even if the doctor hasn't brought you into the office, they may have ordered the imaging and you may not have had that clinical exam as well. So I would definitely say, pardon me? I've had the the breast exam. He did that right after I had the mammogram and the ultrasound. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so what I, what I will say is if, um, if that makes you uncomfortable and it does continue, then I definitely say you need to continue to be persistent in getting an answer because that's not a normal phenomenon, right? Like it's not normal for us to have bloody discharge, um, coming from our breasts. And so, um, I would say stick with it until you get an answer. It may be that they want to reevaluate you in a shorter time period. They may say, well, we'll check back on it and three three months or in six months. But um, what I will say is that is not something that should be ignored um, because in order for there to be uh, blood coming from that space, then that means that there are blood vessels that have been interrupted or that there's a problem somewhere around there. And that's the answer. That's the answer that you really need to, to get, like is, is why that's ha- why that's happening. And so as long as it's continuing and, and nobody can find anything, keep looking. But Miss uh, Miss Annie, uh, the keep looking would be the next step would likely be a biopsy. Uh, she didn't mention that word, but we we don't want you to think that we want you to to know that there's nothing wrong. There is something, and so make sure that that is part of your um, answer. That's you might need to have a biopsy because oftentimes the images may not show That's if right. there is a pathological problem. 
And that's what we're alluding to. Keep digging. Okay. I really appreciate uh, you really help. And uh, I am going to have a biopsy, but it's in my thyroid. That don't have nothing to do with that either, does it? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Get back to that breast. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, okay. Well, I appreciate it very much, and I enjoyed your program. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks so much, and good luck to you, hon. Well, Annie's bringing us into our first break of the hour. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're talking about women's heart health, and we'll talk a little bit about Women's Heart Health Month, right. I would imagine. Dr. Dr. Nickens is wearing her red, and we're going to talk about the significance of that when we come back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner and associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, there's information you can use to help maintain a healthy lifestyle. Just search for Southern Remedy on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Southern Remedy for Women, and we are talking about... um, Heart Health uh, and uh, Women's Heart Health Month, and we are joined by our guest and friend, Dr. Myrna Alexander Nickens, um, who is an interventional cardiologist and professor in uh, the Department of Internal Medicine, Division of Cardiology at UMMC. Um, I am Dr. Michelle Owens, maternal fetal medicine person and collaborator with Dr. Nickens on um, our cardio obstetrics endeavor at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, which is the first of its kind in our great state where we focus on um, heart disease and complications of um, cardiovascular disease and pregnancy. And we also take that and extrapolate it through um, the rest of uh, the lifespan, a woman's lifespan. Well, it makes sense since women are getting, or people in general, are getting heart disease at an earlier age now, right? They You're, are. You must be seeing this more often yes, than you used are. to in pregnant women. Yeah, and you know, we were talking about this, and they're like, well, I mean, everybody gets the breast cancer um, awareness and, and the big uh, push to kind of help people be more aware about breast cancer and um, the issues surrounding that as, a, as an issue for overall uh, morbidity and mortality for women, but um, but a lot of people don't really understand what the big deal is about cardiovascular disease that pertains to women, and so I think it's really interesting. Did you guys know cardiovascular disease kills more women than all forms of cancer combined? Kills more women than all forms of cancer combined. Okay, so and we we've talked about we did cervical cancer awareness. We've talked about GYN cancers. We talked about breast cancer, um, but cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women. Kills more women than all kinds. Of, and get this: forty four percent of women recognize. It says only forty four percent of women recognize that cardiovascular disease is their greatest health threat. So that is what this whole month is about. I'm trying to figure out why it's the short month. You know. Um, but it is really important for specifically for women, again, whether it's p- being told it's anxiety or a panic attack or whatever. And the fact that women experience symptoms um, a little bit differently than men 
And a lot of times, because a lot of people aren't thinking, oh, my gosh, it could be a heart attack. If you're a 50-year-old man and you say that your chest hurts, people are automatically, that's the first thing. They're packing you up in the ambulance. That's the first thing they think (laughs) before they say it's reflux, before they say any of those things. It's the first thing they think. But if you are a a 50-year-old woman. Right. That thing pops way, it goes way down on the list. And so this is really important. And and some of that may be part of the reason why um, cardiovascular disease or, or cardiac events have such a great impact in women is because of a failure on behalf of both healthcare professionals and also of individuals to recognize those signs and symptoms and to have that same level of of awareness and concern when they are experiencing those symptoms. Yeah. Um, So I just wanted to to share that because I think, um, you know, people were like, well, I mean, what's this big thing? I mean, the red dress and red for women and all that. And why does it matter? This thing's huge. Um, And so if you understand or if you can get the breast cancer thing, then you should totally get the cardiovascular thing because it's it's bigger than all of this is it's the single greatest health threat um, to women when you're talking about overall just mortality. This is the thing that takes us out more than anything else that can change. So there are a lot of variables that we can change to prevent that. So we know that. Uh, we And we every year we're talking about a Go Red, and it's for awareness. But it really should be all year, right? We should talk about this. And we do, really. I, I come here more than just in February. But I thank you all for allowing me to come. Um, but, yeah, we should know what the risks are, and let's go over those real quick. Uh, and when we talk about heart disease, we're talking, it's a global problem. So there are different types of heart disease. We talked about one of them earlier. It was atrial fibrillation. And there's some um, valvular disease that might give you atrial fibrillation, but it's really a rhythm problem. Uh, but if we're talking about a global problem, we can pick something underneath that umbrella that that is the most common, and that is coronary artery disease. So the coronary arteries are those vessels on top of the heart, and they give blood supply to the heart. Now, if that blood supply is cut off, that would give you a heart attack. Now, oftentimes, um, and as a pathologist, you know that um, someone dies suddenly, and on their death certificate, it says, heart attack or heart, they died of a heart or something. Okay, but cardiac the, arrest. Cardiac arrest. That but is, the, okay, the heart dies of cardiac arrest. Right. right. I mean, heart stop. the heart does eventually stop at some point. Right. But that, that would not that, be a good death certificate. That's right. Yeah, that would right. So some of the death we see it all the time though. Yeah, yes. we do see yeah. it all the time. So it's not a good measure really of uh, what really happened suddenly. Um, but sudden death is a common cause. I mean, is commonly caused by heart disease. So that's one. But there are other things that can cause sudden death. I mean, you can have an aortic aneurysm. You can have a, a cerebral aneurysm, a stroke. So those are other things that can cause sudden. You can just fall over and, and, and die. Um, but uh, to get to the, the symptoms that we want you all to be alerted about, um, chest discomfort is one of the most common presenting symptoms, but it's not the only one. And when I say chest discomfort, I'm talking about chest tightness, chest fullness. The discomfort may go to the neck, may go to the abdomen. Sometimes the women come in and they complain of feeling lightheaded or they have some epigastric or right below the sternum 
discomfort and and it's and, or they have back pain or they have some back discomfort uh, that may be caused by a heart attack so that they have atypical symptoms especially in older women so <coughs> women tend to have heart disease later in life um, and when it does present some of the symptoms are atypical not the typical chest tightness that Dr. Owens talked about earlier. Yeah, so don't just brush it off right. um, if it's not kind of what you've seen in the movies or maybe heard in the general way. Right, right, yeah. So now uh, it, some, of the th- some of the maladies that can lead to heart disease are uncontrolled hypertension, so hypertension, diabetes, um, cigarette smoking, those are um, risk factors that could be changed. Okay, so if your blood pressure is not controlled, and now the definition of hypertension is anything greater than 130 over 80. 130 over 80. Seems too low. But right. there, <laughs> but the data shows that if we can get our blood pressure lower, then that we have less complications than um, and when the pressure is 140 over 90, so we lowered the definition. And that's a really that's a really big point, I think, because a lot of people may not be aware of that change. Because hello, ha- Allie, you know when we when we trained, what was normal blood pressure? 140 over 90. Yeah, no, that was not. So, so we're gonna. So y'all, well, please don't listen. Well, to see this, and Doctor Doctor, I want to remind you, Doctor Brown's a pathologist. So, no, so the number actually, we say that that normal blood pressure. Everybody say one twenty over eighty, right? That was the oh, number. Was under, I just need to cut I off. I said the normal. See, um, you pay attention. You're a bad test. Were you? A, question were you maker. a good? Were you a good test taker? Yes, I'm, I'm, right I'm actually a really even, good test taker. Like I would say to my kids, slow down and read the question. The question was what a normal blood pressure and everybody kind of learned 120 over 80 and if your number was 120 over 80 ish then you were good and now all of a sudden 80 has turned bad 80 has joined I'm glad I didn't learn that misnomer then 80's on the other well you were all up at 90 so we're not even going to talk about that you're at 140 over 90 that was the cutoff but like now now all of a sudden we've moved that number down and so you know if you're a person who has you know, 80s blood pressures. The um, diastolic number. The bottom, that that the bottom, bottom number. Bottom. Yeah, that bottom number is in the 80s range. Then consistently, then you actually meet criteria per our cardiology colleagues um, for hypertension. Dr. Owen yeah. said a word there, consistently. Uh, I so guess that if, makes if a difference, right? If your blood pressure is 86, the diastolic is consistently 86, then you you need to do something about that. Okay, yeah. so you could be 120 over 86, 120 over 88, and the bottom of the diastolic is actually elevated. Um, so we would... Um, Make sure you know that number. Know your number is the main point of that. Oh, and you know what? As you're saying that, because, you know, I, y'all, I've been so excited about, like, these these little hypertension facts and oh cardiovascular disease. Oh, my goodness, you are. I know. Um, but she's actually salivating. I don't know if the listeners can hear it. <laughs> Go amazing. on. She's really she into this. She's really working me today. Um, so 51.9%, that's more than 50, um, of high blood pressure deaths or hypertension, um, are in women. And out of all women, um, black females, 57.6% of black females actually have hypertension. So when you look there, so there are disparities that exist 
um, when it, when you look at um, cardiovascular disease and and risk and and other things, but it is it is more common in the African American in African American females um, in the African American population in general, but specifically in African American females. And the other thing, though, is for for those of you who are listening, who are nearing or who are beyond that change of life, so that menopause period. After that point in time, the incidence of um, hypertension among women goes up dramatically. And so for those of you who um, might equate that menopausal time as a time where you see doctors less, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't have this issue of like reproduction and other things. And so for some women, they might feel like that's a reason to go less. It's actually the time when you probably need to be seen more frequently um, because while you might have a change in your GYN profile, um, your overall health profile, there, there are things that are shifting. And so cardiovascular risk, um, onset or development of hypertension um, and other things, as well as like body composition changes and other things that might also further contribute to um, cardiovascular disease and cardiovascular risk. All of those things are kind of all happening in addition to the fact that you might be hot or you can't sleep or you can't concentrate and all those other things. But it's really important to know that that's not the time for you to step away from your health care. That's the time when you need to really further engage mm-hmm. um, because your risks are continuing to mount. That's right. one thing about hypertension, right? A lot of times you don't feel bad. You don't, right. So yeah. you need at least three different blood pressure readings to say that you have hypertension. And often, uh, however, if you came to my office and your blood pressure was 160 over 110, um, I get them all the time. Um, it, it's And sometimes when I get those patients, I may go back in the chart and see, they say, no, I've never had hypertension. I, it's just because of you, Dr. Alexander, and you're making me nervous and my blood pressure is up because of that. Um, there, then there is such a thing called white ho- white um, coat hypertension, but those patients with white coat hypertension, they also have an increased risk for uh, morbidity and mortality compared mm-hmm. to the normal patients. So they normally they will end up having hypertension anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need about three different sets of hypertension, uh, re- reviewing the records and seeing that the blood pressure was up in the past is enough for me to say this person mm-hmm. has hypertension. Uh, one sixty over one ten. Sit, let them sit. Um, make sure you repeat it while they're in the office several times. And see if it's going up, down, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, home blood pressure readings mm-hmm. is great too. I recommend um, for my patients. Everyone, most people have a cell phone, right? I mean, at least, I mean, 95 percent of people have cell phones. Um, well, then I recommend if you can get a blood pressure cuff that's much, much cheaper than a cell phone. There you go. So get I like th- that. Yeah, get those blood pressure cuffs in your home, please. Hey, V is on the line calling from Wayne County. V, do you have a blood pressure cuff at home? Go, Eagles. I, I don't, but I plan to get the electric um, blood pressure cup that you mentioned on the show nice yes yes um my question is um good after good morning doctors good morning um my uh the aorta valve is not closing and the doctor said well that could cause blood to spill back 
into the heart, and it could cause coughing uh, and fatigue. And then I think the doctor said something about the mitral valve. The mitral valve? Mitral valve, Mm -hmm. yes, that might have a leak. Um, uh, I have a cardiologist, um, and um, I have an appointment. He's going to follow me. He said, oh, you know, as you get older, you know, these things could occur. We'll just watch it. I don't have any other uh, concerns. Um, Would you speak on that? So that's the other, uh, you know, we talked about earlier, the uh, heart disease, that those two words is a big umbrella. So under that umbrella, there's valvular heart disease, and it sounds like that's what you have. So with aging, the valves can start to degenerate. And so the aortic valve, that's the valve you talked about first, you said was uh, leaking, and you said there may be some problems with the mitral valve as well. So if there was a little leak in both valves, we do. We follow you um, yearly. So we're talking about seeing a doctor more often, right? So we see you yearly. However, if you start having symptoms, and those symptoms might be fatigue, shortness of breath, you're not able to do your work like you normally would do, you're slowing down, or you might have had a a fainting spell, uh, your legs are swelling. Those are some of the symptoms of heart failure or the fact that your valve now is giving you some symptoms. We go by your symptoms, and then you might have to be seen or have some uh, echocardiography done earlier than every year. But if it's just a mild valvular disease, um, normally we check an echo every two to three years, depending upon the severity of what you have. And I don't know what yours is. Uh, If it's more severe, valvular disease, then we check more often. And since you have a cardiologist, I'm sure that they have uh, done an echocardiogram, and that's usually the way we um, survey that. Their surveillance is usually with echocardiography. Does that answer your question? Yes, it it, it does. Uh, I've had the echocardiogram and and others. Uh, Yes, it answers my question. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thanks, V. Good luck with that. Absolutely. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You've got a chance to talk to a real live cardiologist. For How often free. does that happen? For, for free. free. So give us a call <laughs> with any of your questions, <laughs> questions or comments. This is Southern Remedy for Women. <laughs> MPB Think Radio. <laughs> No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is Dr. Allie Brown. I'm a pathologist and host of Southern Remedy for Women, along with my fantastic co-host. She's illustrious. She's fantastic. She's knowledgeable. She's Dr. Michelle Owens. She's an OBGYN with expertise in maternal fetal medicine, but high-risk obstetrics, which is a big reason why she knows our special guest today, Dr. Myrna Alexander-Nickens, who is a cardiologist and interventional cardiologist at UMMC. These two ladies work closely together 
together taking care of our pregnant patients who may have heart disease, but we're talking about women's heart health. Do you want to say a little something about Women's Heart Health Month? I do, but I'm going to correct one thing. Oh, no. I am a retired interventional cardiologist. Oh, so I am now. You were like, doing... I'm hanging up my catheter. <laughs> I let the yeah, I let my colleagues do that. Can so I just say that running was, around back and such, forth? Wasn't that such a wonderful introduction, though? I mean. It, <sighs> It, it was so much better than Michelle, saying their friends who used to play tennis. Oh. <laughs> well, that interventional I'm cardiology, there's a lot of running around to that, there's and it's high stress. Well, uh, but you like it when you're there. Yeah. Ask Dr. Yeah. Ashley. She loves, yeah. she loves, she yeah. loves it. That's our valve uh, cardiologist. Yeah, she's been on the show. Uh, yeah. She does some really cool stuff, doesn't she? She does. She had a big audience this morning. Oh, Talking fantastic. about mitral clips and, um, yeah, trying to fix like, the, the lady that called in mm-hmm. earlier. Without having to have surgery. Right, right. So we, now we can fix the aortic have valve and the mitral valve. Uh, yeah. with uh, But, yeah, so we are talking about the more common problems, though. Um, one of the more common problems in the, in uh, Mississippi is congestive heart failure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can have congestive heart failure with no blockages in the blood vessels. So how can that happen? And I... It, um, tell my patient, say, for instance, if you had a uh, rose, and the rose needs water, right? Mm-hmm. But the rose doesn't need a big, forceful water uh, spray on it. It just needs gentle watering. Or if you overwater it, you're going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing with the heart. So if that blood pressure is high and you're getting blood pressures, you're walking around, and some patients say, oh, it's my blood pressure 160, that's normal. No, that's not normal. And that, that normal for me. No, that's right, not normal right. for yeah, you. That's right. not normal for you. But the heart is taking a hit every day with the blood pressure being that high. And so then you end up having what we call congestive heart failure. Now, you can have congestive heart failure where your heart muscle is big and floppy, or you can have congestive heart failure where your heart is thick and stiff and hard and difficult to relax. Both of them cause the same symptoms. One is is becoming a little bit easier to uh, manage, but the one with the thick heart is very difficult to manage. Mm-hmm. But just want to let you guys know about that. There are different types of uh, congestive heart failure, but that is our most common admitting diagnosis right now in internal medicine. Well, that's very meaningful because, yeah. you know, the, the steps to getting to that state are mm-hmm. painless, right? right you don't notice are. it's happening. When you start having the symptoms, exactly. you're pretty far into the disease. That's why yeah. it's important to know your numbers, like you said. Know your numbers and know your risk. So we uh, have a, um, well, not just we, but all across the country, American Heart Association, uh, and some of the other societies have developed a staging for congestive heart failure. There's an A, B, C, D staging for congestive heart failure. So stage A, you don't really have it, meaning you don't have the mm-hmm. symptoms, but you have the propensity to have it. So you have a family history of heart disease, uh, so you may develop it later on, or you have hypertension, or you have diabetes. Um, so those are risk factors for having it. So they call those people of stage A. Okay, the stage D. I'm gonna go, you know, good to really bad. The stage D patients would be those that are very symptomatic. They come in and out of the hospital quite often, and uh, those are patients that are in stage. 
sort of like cancer, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, they've had all the medication. Uh, they've had all the treatments that we can give, and they are considered um, end-stage heart disease. Now we do have other modalities to treat those people. So we have heart transplantation, and now we have some devices that we can mm-hmm. uh, use to help them uh, get out of some of that stage as well. But um, <clears throat> B and C, a B, stage B would be those patients that are not symptomatic, but they have, say, like the lady that called in valvular disease. Or they had a heart attack in the past but don't have heart failure. Uh, and then the stage C people, those are the ones with symptoms and have uh, the heart problem. Guys, our phone lines are open. Uh, the number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Yeah, there's one thing that you said um, before that just kind of wanted to kind of reemphasize one more time, and it's about this concept of. Um, you know, you said it's you get to you get to a certain place, and then you're symptomatic, and all of a sudden, like there's been these these long periods of time when your body, your heart has been taking hits, or your 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 uh, blood vessels have been under duress or stress, and then there's that single defining moment where all of a sudden it comes together to produce symptoms, and so. They call hypertension the silent killer, and I would just say that if it's not silent, then you need to be concerned because, like, that's when you know that it's escalated to a point where intervention should happen because, quite honestly, intervention should be happening during the silent phase. Yeah. So if you and, – and I say that because there are people under the sound of my voice who take their blood pressure medicines when they get a headache. And they're like, oh, well, I know my, and some of y'all are, are I'm talking, yes, I am talking like to you. Like it's aspirin, you. right? I am talking <laughs> to you, absolutely. They take it like it's Excedrin because they, they'll say, I know my pressure's up because I get a headache. Or I know that my pressure is, and, and it's not that your pressure's up. That's when your pressure is dangerously high. Um, for most of you, that's what that means. But I just want to say, for those of you who have kind of normalized that type of behavior, this is a great time um, to shift and to not let that be an acceptable standard for yourself going forward because that that kind of personal care um, is the kind of care that, that leads you to having to see uh, Dr. Alexander Nickens on a regular basis. Who is lovely. <laughs> She is, but she's much more lovely when you pass her at the grocery store right, than, right. We than when that. you have to go and see her in the office. Yeah, take so, your medicine like a vitamin, right? You got to take it every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the thing. And if you feel well, like, take it anyway. There's nothing wrong. It's why you feel well. Indeed. <laughs> and, it's, and it's the best way to ensure that you continue to feel well. So right. speaking about, hype, like, at what age should you start being worried about what is your blood pressure? Like, some people might say, oh, I'm too young. I'm not worrying about that right now. Is okay. there such a thing as, like, a cutoff where it is okay to have high blood pressure and it's not? So we, uh, when I was a, a student, we were taught that hypertension started at 18 to the, the normal time period was 18 to 30 or whatever. So now we're seeing kids with hypertension much earlier. 
because of our diets and because they're developing diabetes early and they're developing hypertension early. So if our, our pediatricians, they'll keep up with that part. And, of course, when they get to us at 18, they already have hypertension. So um, oftentimes we have a young person with hypertension. We start looking up for other problems that might arise. So sometimes you can have tumors that cause hypertension. And sometimes you can have um, in, in the adrenal glands that may cause hypertension and some other problems that may cause hypertension. And we would oftentimes uh, try to run that down. But mm-hmm. what we are finding is that they have essential hypertension, or we call it primary hypertension now, where we don't know what the cause is, but we have a lot of clues uh, in our diet being part of it. Um, so to answer your question, uh need to start getting your blood pressure checked as a as a child, and when you start coming to us as adult physicians, uh, once a year at least if you're normal, but if you have the least inkling that it's starting to be elevated, you should get that blood pressure cuff in your home and check it at home, and if it's high, start coming in to get that treated. No such thing as too young to have hypertension, unfortunately. We're going to go to the phones and talk to Cindy, who's calling us from Past Christian. Hey, Cindy. Hi. Um, my question is um, what the doctor's feelings are about um, taking hormone um, replacement therapy um, uh, and, you know, the heart. Um, like, for example, um, I'm, a, I'm 69. I just turned 69. And I had a hysterectomy back when I was in my 50s. And I've always taken hormone replacement, a very low dose, like one milligram or one, just a tiny little dose. When I stopped taking it, I I have really bad symptoms. I mean, I have anxiety attacks. I'm, I'm overheated all the time. It's awful. But um, some doctors say that it's not safe to take hormones for very long because of the heart and I'm just wondering what you guys thought about that. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people wondered about that, and we've had studies done with (laughs) that very question. Um, And these studies, they're about 20, 25 years old now. Uh, But um, And what we did back then was take a group of women that already had heart disease, and we gave them some low-dose estrogen to see if they would improve. And what we found was that they did not. But those women already had heart disease. So um, you you would be a... And so sometimes even our colleagues are kind of confused about which group should have it and which group should not have it. Now, when you're in your 40s and 50s and you're um, postmenopausal, either either surgically or you naturally have it, we do we uh, we will allow estrogens to be given uh, for symptoms. <clears throat> now, when you get to be 69, when they come in to see me, I'm asking them, "Okay, now when are you planning to stop the medicine?" Because now we're not talking about prevention. We're talking about, oh, I don't want to, uh, I'm having these hot flashes at night. Because we we were given estrogens 
in those studies to see if they would prevent heart disease. Well, we, what we found was it did not prevent heart disease. What it did show in those those women had disease already, that their risk increased, and they also had a small amount of patients that had blood clots to their lungs, and then there was a little increased incidence of breast cancer and those kinds of things. So we sort of divide it, and, and, and Dr. Owens takes care of these, these ladies every day, and I'm going to let her talk to you. But I do get women that come to me because they're on estrogens, and I'm going to tell you, I have seen some 75-year-olds, and I look at their list of medicines, and I say, hey, when are you going to stop this? <laughs> now, they're seeing well, me because they have a heart problem, so that's a different yeah. issue. So women with heart disease, we don't recommend it. Women with heart disease, we don't recommend it. For symptoms, we do, and, and I'm going to let Dr. Owens t- tell you about that. Yeah, and, and I think that, that what you said makes great sense because it's two different two different purposes, right, or we're looking at it from two different vantage points. Um, the study that, that Dr. Nickens referenced, referenced is real, was really about is is the estrogen because the whole thought was oh well if this is something that happens more in women after menopause mm-hmm. then is that estrogen protective of their heart and vasculature and is there a way that through administering this medication that we can get those same protective effects of estrogen that we see in lower rates of heart disease etc in women who are premenopausal can we duplicate that in a group that is of slightly higher risk and the answer was no well then I I think what you said, though, kind of is a lot different. So you got started on it after you had a hysterectomy, and I assume they took your ovaries at that time. Yes? Okay. And so for a person who has surgical menopause prior to the onset of their regular menopause time, um, then it is very reasonable to supplement because of the benefits of estrogen, not only as it pertains to your symptoms, but also for bone health and other things that estrogen provides in women who have not yet reached the age of menopause. And so for some, you know, if you, if you, you didn't have those, those symptoms before, trying to come off of it, you'll figure out what that's going to be like for you. And for many women, the, uh, the, those effects, the vasomotor effects, the hot flashes and other symptoms of menopause can be crippling enough that you need some level of medication in order to sustain your sanity and your ability to function day to day. Now, what I will say is that over time, as we mentioned earlier, women's risk for heart disease and cardiovascular disease continues to go up once you've gotten past your menopausal time. And so what you don't want to do is find yourself in a situation where you pretty much fit the profile of the person who um, would would who was found to have more problems with that initial study, right? So you don't want to be a person who develops heart disease and then all of a sudden you're taking this extra estrogen because that does increase your risk. What we typically would do is try to wean you down slowly. I think one of the worst things you can do is take somebody who is on or who's been on a hormones for a prolonged period of time and pull them off immediately cold turkey. Like that is not the way to stop. And it is so traumatic and difficult for for most of the people who've been sustained on those medicines. But I do believe that small incremental decreases over time may be reasonable and will be much better tolerated. So I think if it's something that you're concerned about or worried about, 
having a discussion about the best way to do that with your physician is a great way to start. Um, and then the other thing is that now we have several different other medications that you could be transitioned to or that may be used in concert with a much lower dose of estrogen that might give you the control of your symptoms that you're looking for. So I think um, all of those are options. Um, some people say if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But at this point, the question really is, your risk for clot formation um, and the risk of a cardiac event that may be increased because of your continuation of that medicine, it may not be doing as much to benefit you from your overall health as it was when you started it, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Okay, I understand. And I I think um, it seems to me like over the years, I, I... I have been, I mean, I think it did go down, uh, I think, because now I'm only at one milligram for the last, like, three years. One milligram seems, like, very low to me, but, um, yeah, I was just wondering, because I, I know about that Women's Health um, Initiative back in the day, um, and then I think a lot of that was retracted, and it's really confusing to figure it out when I try to read about it, so I appreciate your uh, input a lot. No, absolutely. And you're right. It is difficult. And when that study came out, I think the medical community over-adjusted, I think, um, because everybody just wanted to be overly cautious. But as we've learned more and kind of dug a little bit more into um, the study and its implications, and, and even considering some of the shortcomings of that study, some of the people who weren't represented who might also be... Um, who might be receiving that same advice, but who weren't represented in that study. And does that mean the same for that population? So I think there are lots of different things that we've come to understand a little bit better. And we found that, you know, it's not that estrogen's all good or estrogen's all bad, but you really need to individualize those things. Um, And having those conversations with your physician is probably going to be the best way to get you to the best place. No, music is on. <laughs> oh my gosh, Michelle's coughing. I'm choking. What's going on? I know, right? We have to send it, it, it at the was, same time. We need an ENT on this show. We, it was so great to have you on today. Thank you for inviting Dr. me. Dr. Nickens, always a pleasure, and um, we'll have to do it again. We usually do it in February and October, I think, is when uh, right. we usually see you, but it's, so just it's remember, not enough. Practice makes perfect, so keep exercising. <laughs> yes, Can't ma'am. Know today. your numbers. Know your numbers, and uh, you got to keep telling yourself you can do it, you can do it. And you can. All right. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Yeah. Hey.